The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Straight cash, homie. Would you please break the damn story? He took... PFTOT Monday edition, the place where we talk about some things we didn't get to during PFT Live or just some other stuff we feel like rehashing. And let's take a look, Chris, at what some of the higher profile teams in the NFL accomplished in the draft. And it may be that Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, will want to do all of his drafts from his yacht moving forward. The yacht apparently is good luck because the combination of the the soothing motion of the ocean or wherever he has that damn thing parked plus being away from all the frenetic activity of the draft room apparently it combined to give the cowboys a pretty good showing at least based upon what we know and and the caveat my caveat that we don't know what any of these guys are going to do until they get there what we've seen so far from the cowboys it's promising by way of bumping up the talent on the roster Definitely. Well, you know, they always say it's not the size of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean, Mike Florio. Okay. And he does have the big boat and it's, apparently it's a nice motion of the ocean too, but they killed it. I mean, <laughs> I had some fun with that. Okay. You left yeah, it out fine. there and just dangled it for me. That's I couldn't fine. help it. That's true. All right. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I do think they're a team that's certainly worthy of us putting in the upper class of teams that killed it in the draft. I mean, when you get C.D. Lamb viewed by most as the most talented receiver in the draft, then in the second round to get a corner and, and, Tavon, and uh, Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Diggs' little brother, who a lot of people looked at as a end-of-the-first-round type talent as well. Phenomenal ball skills, well-coached. They got a need there because Byron Jones left town. So now you got another starter to replace him basically right away. They didn't have to try to put one of their nickel guys outside and try to make that happen. And then, Mike, their third-round pick, Neville Gallimore, the kid from Oklahoma. You know, and again, like you've always said, it's a crapshoot. We'll see where this goes. But he was one of my favorite interior D linemen in the draft. He has some serious F-the-play-up potential. He was the best interior pass rusher in the draft, I thought, other than Derrick Brown. And uh, I think there's some real value to what the the Cowboys did in this draft. They're going to get people that are going to contribute right away uh, from the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, the C.D. Lamb thing was so significant because I still feel like 22 years later, Jerry Jones is trying to atone for not taking Randy Moss as he slid in the first round of the draft. And remember, Moss was under the impression that the Cowboys were going to take him if he was on the board. They didn't. C.D. Lamb is sitting there at 17, and it almost makes that offense potentially unfair when you consider the offensive line still one of the better ones in the NFL. Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and you throw – C.D. Lamb into the mix. Uh, they, they could be a dynamic offensive team in Mike McCarthy's first year as the head coach. And uh, they, I'm surprised you didn't mention a couple of guys, Tyler. Uh, and I, it looks like you could pronounce his last name badass. I'm just going to call him Tyler Badass, B-I-A-D-A-S-Z. But he comes in at the center position. And I know it's, it's not, given where he's drafted on Saturday, uh, an automatic that he plugs right in for Travis Frederick. But they needed to address 
that position. I'm surprised they waited as long as they did, Chris. No, well, you, you know, they, they got a good eye for talent. That, that's what we do know. And then if you're looking for good offensive line play, Wisconsin's always a good play to, always got a good place to look. So not that they're desperate at the center position. They got guys there that I think that they think can fill in right away, even without this rookie. But now this gives them a little bit more depth and flexibility there if there is an injury to happen or anything like that. And even Mike, the guy they got in the, the fifth round, with pick 34 in the fifth round, Bradley Anae from Utah. You know, this is what I like about Dallas. Later in the draft, they take chances on guys that they saw a few elite things from. Ane from Utah is a really gifted, talented pass rusher. Now, he's a little underwhelming in the other parts of his game. He's not great at defending the run, but I think they're going to find a role for this kid where on third downs, he'll be a pain in the butt coming off the edge. He's slippery, knows how to use his hands, has a lot of different weapons as far as pass rush moves are concerned. So, you know, I, I really applaud the Jones family. They have quite an eye for talent, and uh, I think they plugged a lot of holes and improved their football team this weekend. Yeah, you know, and again, we'll see how these guys pan out, but they had lost so many guys in free agency. We've been so focused on the Dak Prescott contract and Amari Cooper, who they kept. Um, a lot of gaps that needed to be filled, and they worked toward doing that. All right. Uh, by the way, it's Tyler Biadish. I prefer Tyler Badass for the new uh, <laughs> Cowboy Center, and they're going to need him to be a badass. All right, the Kansas City Chiefs are the baddest of the badasses in the NFL right now, the defending Super Bowl champions. We have had much to say about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the LSU running back who was the 32nd overall pick in the draft, your top running back in the draft. The Chiefs apparently agreed. What did you think of the rest of their selections, Chris? Well, I, you know, the, again, getting an offensive lineman, right, in round three, and Lucas Niang or Niang, I, you know, you watch him. He's a giant human being. And Andy Reid's one of those guys where, you know, like we talk about with other teams, like the Steelers with the receiver, when Andy Reid drafts an offensive lineman, I always, like, per perk up because I think he's a little bit of an offensive lineman whisperer. He's got a very keen eye for finding – finding guys in the mid rounds of the draft. And then two or three years from now, we turn around and we go, damn, this guy's a good player. And oh man, Andy found himself a hidden gem. Once again, he's very good at that. But then in round two, you know, linebacker position, a little bit of need uh, as far as the Kansas city chiefs are concerned, they get Willie Gay jr. The kid from Mississippi state, who's really athletic can fly around the field, almost like a, an athletic strong safety with the way he moves. So I think there was very great value in those two picks. I look at the top three picks and go, there's again, they got two, two picks in the linebacker and the running back that are going to contribute right away with an offensive lineman that, again, just gives them a little bit more depth and somebody for the future to take over when they do lose some guys. So I, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Brett Feach and Andy Reid. They always seem to have uh, a, a plan of attack as far as what they want to do with their team. Yeah, and look, they, they get the benefit of the doubt right now because they have put together one of the best rosters in the NFL. And any guy that Brett Veach takes, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because he's the guy that found Patrick Mahomes, one of the greatest players in NFL history after only three NFL seasons, the greatest quarterback of all time in the opinion of some, Tom Brady, gone from the New England Patriots. We talked during the show today about the fact that the Patriots – did not draft any quarterbacks because, as Bill Belichick said, it wasn't part of the design. It was just the way things played out. And the way it played out, they had plenty of picks. 
traded out around one, which they have done in the past. What did you make of the entire uh, collection of draft picks that the Patriots put together this year, Chris? Well, they lost Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy, right, in, in free agency. Dante Hightower's getting up there in age. We know they value those hybrid-type linebackers who could do a lot of different things. So you look in the second and third round, they get Josh Uche from Michigan, who's like an outside linebacker, inside linebacker, defensive end, athletic freak hybrid. So that certainly makes sense. Pick three, Anthony Jennings from Alabama, another guy that's kind of an outside linebacker, defensive end hybrid. So they're going to be able to use him in a lot of different ways. And then, really, pick number five around two, Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan, Mike. You know, this was the number four safety on my, you know, big board at that position. He's got some superstar, like, if he hits, he could be like a Sean Taylor type of a talent. I mean, that's really what he is, Mike. The only thing that scares you is just the competition in which he played. But I think this, you know, again, the Patriots between, here we go, let's not forget, they were a defensive football team last year. They won almost all their games because of their defense. And I think Bill Belichick is showing you again, he plans on playing that type of style. And then Mike also got Asiasi, the tight end, right, from UCLA in the third round. You could argue him or Cole Komet were the two most talented tight ends in the draft. I think there were some off-the-field questions with Asiasi, but big-time talent, Mike, and a nice friendly target for Jared Sidham down the middle of the field. So the, the, the Patriots killed it, as they usually do. You know, they're smart with what they do and their approach as always. couple of third-round tight ends, a CSC and Dalton Keene, uh, yeah. just 10 picks apart. No receivers, plenty of offensive linemen late in the process, a kicker, uh, which they need now that Steven Guskowski has moved on. And anytime, anytime you draft a kicker, uh, you, it makes people nervous because you can find so many of those guys after the draft has ended. You better believe in Justin Rohrwasser as a fifth-round pick, or uh, you end up uh, squandering that selection that could have been devoted to something else. But again, Belichick gets the benefit of the doubt because of the six rings, the pelts on the wall and or the pellets on the horse, and uh, the very Spartan, no-frills draft setup that he had uh, with his dog and with his two computers. It's Belichick. He's, he probably could have done it all with a telephone. He probably didn't even need a computer there. He, had a, he could have had a binder and, a, and an old phone the one they used to put on the wall in the kitchen with the long cord, that's all he would have needed and he would have got well, it done. Well, Mike, you're exactly right, too. And, you know, there is something to that. You know, he had two computers there, right? It looked like he had one that was a Mac and one that was a PC. And most organizations, you run PCs because they have certain formats and things like that where you can, you know, have your, your evaluations of guys set up in certain ways, and it's good that way. But I, I, thought, I thought this was interesting to me, too. You know, most of these guys that you saw with these setups of these screens everywhere, right? One of the things a lot of these GMs and, and talent evaluators do during the draft is when they get into the middle to late rounds, they sit there and go back and watch film to go, ooh, I love, which one do I like more? Do I like this guy more? And they have a conversation with it on the fly during the draft. New England's, they're like, no, no, we've, we've evaluated these guys so exhaustively. We don't need to go back and look. We know exactly what we're doing. We've, we've evaluated these guys for three years and we've looked under every rock and know everything about their family history to where they don't need to do like, oh, last second, oh, it was close between this guy or that guy. Let's evaluate them one more time and we'll make our pick. 
No, they're they're ready to go, and they don't need that type of setup. So I, I kind of found that intriguing too. Yeah, I talked about it. Uh, I talked about this with someone over the weekend. The idea that that there's a point where you just have to do it. You you cannot yeah. allow yourself to continue to talk and talk and talk and think. You'll talk yourself out of a guy that you're sold on. You'll talk yourself into a guy that you shouldn't be sold on. You just need to have the conviction that you you spent all that time putting your board together. You made those decisions then. Do not go back and revisit those decisions now. It just clutters your mind. You need to have a streamlined process. I mean, here's the example I can give you. Like during free agency, I've tried this in the past where I'll try to bring in like a different laptop and just have even more screens going so I don't miss anything. And it's just more distraction, right? You know your process. You know how you get your information. You know what you believe. You know how you do things. Why do you want to make it more complicated and put more things in front of your eyes and in your brain that potentially are going to screw you up? And I think Bill Belichick yeah. has proven to everyone you just you you have to trust what you've done and keep it simple uh, so you can make the picks as quick as you need to. The Rams needed picks this year, Chris. They needed them badly after all the guys that we saw depart this offseason from Todd Gurley being cut to Brandon Cooks being traded. It's just this general sense that the Rams have slid into a, a pool of dysfunction not long after making it to the Super Bowl. What did you think of what they did with their draft picks? Well, I like their draft. I did. For a team that didn't have a first-round pick, I thought they made the most of what, what was available to them. Cam Akers from Florida State, I think to be the Todd Gurley replacement, to nonetheless split time with the running back they took from Memphis last year in Henderson. So that makes a lot of sense. And Akers is really talented. You know, I think a lot of people looked at him as one of the five best running backs in the draft. Mike, I honestly thought he was every bit as good as DeAndre Swift from Georgia. I mean, I made DeAndre Swift number five only because I saw a little bit more in the pass game, but I'm not so sure I wasn't more impressed with what I saw running the football and how it translates to the NFL and Cam Akers. But that, then to get Van Jefferson, Mike, Van Jefferson, like, probably the best route-running wide receiver in the draft, even better than the Jerry Judys and the Justin Jeffersons. Really well-schooled, his dad, an ex-NFL receiver, and coach, you know, is a coach of the New York Jets right now. He can be a lot like a Cooper Cup that they already have there. So there's another weapon to go along with Robert Woods who's going to be able to do things. And then, Mike, my favorite, Terrell Lewis in round three. This, this other than Clavon Chason and Chase Young, this was the third best pass rusher in the draft. Now, he had injury history at Alabama, but if he's healthy, his talent is top 20 pick in the draft type talent. He's had some knee issues. He played all his games last year. He missed, I think, a little bit here and there, but nonetheless was pretty much healthy. He's special. And then you talk about what they did in free agency with Ashawn Robinson and Leonard Floyd and got Michael Brackers back. The one thing I'll say is, their defense is going to be a real pain in the butt. I know that. They've got some studs over there. Watch out for the NFC West. Those four teams all Holy are going cow. to be serious contenders this year, including the Cardinals, including the Cardinals, who got Isaiah Simmons with that eighth overall pick, and that offense continues to get better and better, and uh, they're going to be a factor as well. All right, before we go, we didn't talk about yeah. this during the show today. There wasn't time for it, but the – Bill O'Brien decision to give Laramie Tunsil $22 million per year on just, I think, a three-year extension. Is it a three-year deal beyond the yes. one year he had left? Not a whole lot of a commitment there from the player, a lot of money from the team. What were your thoughts on the extension that Laramie Tunsil signed with the Houston Texans, Chris? Well, I mean, Laramie Tunsil's got the Houston Texans and Bill O'Brien over the wheelbarrow. I mean, that's what he's got. 
he's got him right where he wanted. You know, and this is why I think we had a, we saw that Houston Texans trade away DeAndre Hopkins. They knew they were going to be paying top market type money to Laramie Tunzel. And then, as we all know, Deshaun Watson's on the horizon as well. But, I mean, Bill O'Brien and the Texans, they, they, you know, they did this to themselves. They negotiated themselves in the corner with this one, with the way and the assets they traded away from Laramie Tunsil. And it's my understanding, Mike. I mean, Laramie Tunsil knew he had the Texans over the wheelbarrow to such a point that he, he didn't even have an agent do this deal. He saved his 3% because he knew he got him. He didn't need an agent to go, I want to be the highest paid tackle and I want a three-year deal or I leave town and all those first picks you traded away from me are out the door. So uh, he's a really good football player. He is one of the top three, four, five best pass protectors in football. Is he the best left tackle in football? No, I would say not. But as we see with other positions, when it's your time to sign and you're in that conversation, you usually become the highest paid guy. And you know how I feel about this. A good agent would have gotten enough more beyond what Tunsil got on his own to justify the 3%. And I don't I know whether or that. not. There was, talk, there was talk that he was going to move on from his agent. I'm, I'm looking to see now. Uh, while we I'm do pretty this, sure he did. he did. I had heard from some people in the NFL world that he had moved on from his agent. If I, I, if I am wrong, I'm, I, I stand well, corrected. I got, I'm, but I'm, I, I'm, in the process, I'm in the process of checking while we speak. But, look, this is what happens when you do that trade without insisting that the deal is done the moment you do the trade. The Rams screwed this up the same way with Jalen Ramsey last year. It's one of the impediments to a Yannick Ngakwe trade. You're not going to trade for a franchise-tagged pass rusher and not have him sign to a new deal. So well, I, Mike, I think the that big thing – yeah, you, got, sorry, you just go have ahead. to do it. If you do that kind of trade, you have to do the deal on the way through the door. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, I think about Jalen Ramsey with the Rams right now, and he should he should just do the same thing, you know, just absolutely blow the deal out of the market. You know, that's to me, I think, the biggest sh uh, shocking thing here, Mike. You know, it's not like he just one-upped Lane Johnson as being the highest-paid tackle in football. He upped him by $4 million. I mean, that, that's insane. I mean, that's like – you know, again, it, it, that that to me is a huge market jump right there for a player, you know, with Laramie Tunsil, who I said, again, is really good. Uh, but, man, $22 million as compared to the next guy in line is $18 million, and Anthony Costanzo at $16.5 million. I mean, that's above market price. I'm always for the players getting money. You know that. But, man, this is a very expensive uh, ordeal for, for the Houston Texans. And there's a certain kind of justice in all of this for Tunsil, how he had his draft stock tumble four years ago during the first round because some jerk hacked into his social media and put that gas mask bong video out there that made people shy away from him at a time when he was going to make a lot more under his rookie deal because he would have been taken a lot higher than, I think, 13th by the Dolphins. So to get that money on the back end, good for Laramie Tunsil because I think he got screwed four years ago. It's nice to see him uh, get uh, get the better of the screwing this time around. Yeah, no, I agreed. You're right. He did. He got screwed over, and you know what? You know it was by somebody close to him too. And it's certainly Laramie Tunsil was going to be a top five pick that year. So you're right. That takes the edge off of that, and uh, hopefully uh, makes up for the for the difference he lost in his bank account. All right, so uh, that's it for PFTOT. Tell us what you have going on later today with Unbuttoned, Chris. 
Well, we're going to do a full draft recap. That's what we're going to do Monday afternoon. Me and Ahmed Fareed will break it down. The teams that we thought killed it throughout the draft, address some other teams that we think might have stunk it up or whatever it may be. But it will be a fully draft-centric podcast on Chris Sims Unbuttoned this afternoon, Mike. And you know what? Now that you mention Ahmed, because he's doing the background battles, I think you need to invade that segment at some point and critique his background with the Barry Sanders jersey hanging over his shoulder. I, I think that his, it's fair game. He's opened the door. The door swings Agreed. both ways. Agreed. I, I, I don't, trust me. I'll get him. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get there. All right. We look forward to that. We look forward to Unbutton later today. We look forward to doing PFT Live again tomorrow. And uh, I look forward to seeing the numbers go up all day long as you check out ProFootballTalk.com in real time throughout the course of the day. Plenty of draft reaction, plenty of information, rumors, analysis, transactions, etc. We'll see you there, and we'll see you back here again tomorrow. Have a great day. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.